Publishing for Profit podcast is brought to you by Ghostwriters and Co. Earn more money by publishing better content and learn how to increase your thought leadership so you can build your brand. Head over to ghostwritersandco.com for more information. That's ghostwritersandco.com. And now, your host, Joel Mark Harris. Danielle, thank you so much for being on the show today and for sharing your expertise. I want to start with your company, Digit. Uh, you are the founder and owner. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about how you started your company? How I started my company? Very interesting question. Um, first of all, thank you for having me on your show. That's awesome. And uh, hopefully, uh, yeah, we're going to have a ton of fun. Yeah, anytime. Um, so how does all this started? Um, actually it started in my garage in uh, Florida, um, already about in 2004, I'd say probably at the end of 2004, uh, probably like December, um, November, December of 2004, um, where basically I had just created a software for, uh, the restaurant industry. Um, cause I, I have a background of a developer myself. So I created this software for the restaurant industry in Florida. And one of the particular piece of that software was, um, a mobile app for uh, servers and waitresses to actually take your order from their cell phone, um, and transmit all that to the kitchen and all that. So I had sold that um, at the end of the project and I was looking for something else um, to move on to. And um, I had this expertise back in 2005, like 2004 of mobile devices. So I come from background of flip phones. Um, so all the way back then, um, saw some opportunities around mobile but was kind of like in a state in Florida where there was not much technology of that nature going on. And um, my kids were growing up and such. And at some point in time, I decided like, okay, I'll, I'll start this company doing mobile apps. Um, so I started that probably at the end of 2004 in my garage in Florida, uh, started reaching out to companies and tried to sell some mobile apps. And one thing led to another, I ended up in Montreal. Um, and, uh, like our first clients started arriving from there. So when I saw that, you know, after a few phone calls, I had some interest over there. Um, I decided like very early 2005, uh, to start a company and do mobile apps and move all that from my garage in Florida, all the way into Montreal and actually, uh, create a company in Montreal doing mobile apps for businesses. Um, again, in 2005, I mean, when we would say, you know, mobile apps, most of the people would say mobile, what, what the hell are you talking about? Um, and, uh, that's how it's pretty much all started. And I had a, a lot of, uh, already a lot of experience because I had spent time in Silicon Valley, spent a lot of time in Florida working on that app, uh, for restaurant. And, uh, so I kind of took all my expertise moved out to Montreal and created Digit. And that's how Digit started. Um, bought a house, started that in my, one of my little rooms, got a project or two, rented an office, started building a team and the rest, the rest is history. What's, uh, what does Digit mean? 
Digit comes from actually a few hours of research, um, but originally the, the whole idea behind Digit, it comes from digital gadgets. So that's how the name came up. Took a little bit of this, took a little bit of that and ended up with Digit being very unique. Um, and I uh, love the whole idea of uniqueness, um, you know, always thinking about, oh, yeah, you want to become like an Apple of this world or Microsoft, you know, you think big and you're like, and I wanted really something that uh, stood out that I could trademark and um, use around the world instantly. And that, one of the important thing was not having, because of course I was in Montreal in the French area and I, I didn't want anything translatable. So it had to be very, very unique and originally comes from digital gadgets. Because mm. at the end of the day, that was, you know, pretty much a gadget, if you will, at the time, playing with mobile devices and all that. It was gimmicky for a lot of people. So, yeah, that's how it came up. Did uh, Growing up, did you always have a fascination with technology or is that something that uh, came over time? Um, I say to most of the people, I fell into it when I was a kid. Um, I came across the ATM machine. I was probably about 10, 12 years old that those machines came out. And I found it so fascinating that somebody would put a plastic card, punch in some numbers and have some money. To me, it was like, wow, this is like the future of stuff, right? It's like, no, no more hard work, no more, you know, physical hard work. Things are going to change. So I kind of fell in love with technology right now and then. Um, and I kind of grew up with the idea that if I could figure out how to type something with my fingers, I could make a living out of this. And uh, one thing led to another, boom, 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 my, you know, tried all the stuff from N64s and Commodores and all those machines, you know, go way, way back and just loved it from there and never looked back and kind of saw myself because um, I'm the type of guy that loves to learn constantly, doesn't like repetition. And, you know, I know something cool. I want to know more. I want to dig deeper. I want to understand. So the whole ATM machine brought all that, kind of fired that up for me. It's like, well, okay, how does this machine work? Well, hold on. You got a network? What's a network? Okay, hold on. Now this is tied there. I could go in another country and get some money and just, whoa, okay. So for me, it's like, all that I could see right there now and then, like the internet without even realizing it. I could say that today with time, you know, where you reflect on what brought me there. But ATM has played a big, big, big role in that shift in my mind because I come from a family of hard workers, very manual truckers and all that type of stuff. So for me, it was like, what, a computer? What the hell is that? Was the first one in the family with that and very young, you know? Oh, yeah, I could do this with my Commodore 64 and da-da-da. It's like, whoa, okay. And got very interested into programming. And uh, that's how I got into all of this uh, madness of technology. <laughs> Did your family think you were crazy going into this whole oh, yeah. world that they didn't understand? Oh, even today, they're like, I, I mean, I speak, uh, you know, from a different planet uh, when I talk about stuff, you know, for some people, it's so advanced that, I mean, most of the people will be nice and say, oh, yeah, man, it looks amazing. But I didn't understand squat over what you're talking about. 
So, but um, I was fortunate enough where my parents would be like very open to just letting me fly. And it's like, you know what you want? This is what you want to do. Yes. What do you need? Okay. You need this. Cool. You know, like I said, I had Commodore 64 and all the other machines, Atari, and I would play with them for three days. And then it's like, okay, this is not really what I want. I want to open this thing and see how this is connected to that. And how is this talking to this? Um, so I learned a lot uh, just by exploring. And um, yeah, like I said, my parents were very open to that, but had no idea where, but were confident enough that technology was going somewhere to say, yeah, okay, the kid knows where he's going, I think. You know? <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was. Um, so did, uh, Digit has transitioned from mobile apps to. Uh, in a sense, you're shifting more towards virtual reality and argument, augmented reality. Yes. Um, how did that shift occur? Okay. Surprise, surprise. Uh, people don't realize that. Um, it was the, there was no shift for us. Okay. Because we were doing mobile apps for businesses that were working on a cell phone. When AR and VR arrived, we were still doing apps because at the end of the day, it was mobile apps. The first AR experiences were on cell phones, like general public AR. And the same thing for VR. So for us, it was just like, here's a new tool that we could add to your current tool that will make something completely different for your experience. Um, we've been involved in a lot of marketing campaigns and festivals and a lot of around experiences. So I, I'm not going to say I was one of the first ones because I'm clearly not one of the first one, but really pounding it into the enterprise. I mean, we at some point in time when we first started, like one of the only players around that and knew enough about the technology to talk about VR and AR even 15 years ago, okay? Um, I think that I go back at least around 2010, I think we did our first AR experience. Nobody knew, even us. It's like, no, we did this, we tweaked the camera, we added layers and suddenly you had a game. It was an AR game. Now we know it because, you know, soon after and then the word came out and da, da, da. Um, but for us, it was like second nature. It's like, oh, you want an app that does this? Okay, cool. We're going to use a phone and it's going to do this. We're going to put the object in front. Um, and then VR came along, um, with the Google cardboards and all that, but that was just, that was again, mobile VR. So that was like the first thing for us is like, oh, instead of doing this light and this light, now we turn this valve and this valve. And now suddenly we got two screens. Right. So they, and the development tools were already adapted to a lot of those things um, to some degree. Um, of course, we had to develop a lot of plugins and a bunch of stuff, you know, along the line and kind of make certain things happen faster than we would normally. Um, but for us, that's how we did the transition. And nobody actually saw anything. That was the funny part, because we went from, you know, we do mobile apps for businesses to suddenly, hey, we do VR and AR apps for businesses. And people were like, whoa, where do you get all this experience? Haha, <laughs> from here. Oh, we didn't see that. 
you know? Mm. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, now we could help you there. Right. So for us, it was, that's kind of like how it happened, that transition. Um, did I think it would go there? Absolutely not. Uh, I had a completely different view of VR in particular. Um, and we were not there, not even close to being there. Um, so yeah, that's how it kind of like shifted the whole thing. And we're very, um, pretty much everybody in the team is very technology driven inside where it's like, yeah, we'll try this. Oh, you're thinking about this? If you could think it, my team can do it. Let's try it. You got some money and you got the time, we can do it. You got the budget, you got time, we'll do it. Apple is not going to accept it. It doesn't matter. We're going to make it happen for you. You know, we did stuff where we even had one day Apple call us and it's like, how did you guys manage to bypass this? We removed it last version, right? And it's like, well, that's the way it is, <laughs> you know? So yeah, that's um, the whole transition AR, VR, mobile app, but it was very straightforward for us. We were already in that boat, if you will. What is the difference between augmented reality and virtual reality? That's a good question. Um, Augmented reality is exactly what it says. We augment reality, right? So what happens is we have a device um, and right now it happens with several different types of device. It could be from a mobile phone, some goggles. We're starting to see some AR goggles appear all over the place. Um, so augmented reality, we actually add and superimpose layers of 3D object on top of reality. Right. So you see your desk, you take your mobile phone. I could start adding objects to your desk. Okay. In your real environment. Um, and you could interact with all those objects. Now, virtual reality is slightly different in the sense that it's, first of all, you need some goggles at this point uh, to really have, because the virtual reality, you, you're gonna, it's an experience where you're immersed in the 3D experience, okay? Now those experiences could be CGI type of experience or it could be uh, photorealistic today uh, type of experience. Um, but the end user is immersed in the experience, can interact with objects, um, could physically touch, move stuff around the same way you would do in real life but it's a completely uh, invented uh, experience or world, if you will, or adapted world, I, I could say. Um, so those are like the real big difference between both of them. And of course, we also have uh, something called mixed reality that kind of combines a little bit of both. Um, and um, yeah, then, you know, you could, uh, I like to say, mixed reality could be really cool because you could take a little bit of VR, a little bit of AR, and you could take a lot of traditional stuff and kind of mix all that together and have an experience, you know, using QR codes and different objects. And so you, you could mix all that, but that's like taking it way, way, way out there. Maybe even some, some people are like, no, 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 this is like crazy what you're saying. But at the end of the day, if you think about it, yes, we could mix all that together. We mix newspaper, we scan a code, suddenly there's something that appears on it and so on and so forth. Yes, it is augmented reality, but it's a little bit of mixed reality as well uh, because it mixes different medias and such. 
when I think about this technology, I think about the matrix and I think a lot of people do. So what are uh-huh. some real applications that people use this technology today? Oh my God. There's so many uh, areas where we could benefit from this technology. So if we take a look at virtual reality, for example, um, everything from training to education. Okay. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, A mind could train as workers in real time in a real mind environment without ever putting anybody in danger. You, you could turn off the wrong switch. You're going to blow the entire thing up. It doesn't matter. You're in virtual reality, right? So you could learn very, very simply and safely. Um, and uh, so, so that's a good example. Um, we've seen stuff like uh, McDonald's training its employees how to cook their hamburgers, how to take care of the salad, how to do certain things. Same thing with KFC. Um, there's uh, companies like Lowe's uh, will teach you how to build a desk, not a desk, but a, um, a deck, an outdoor deck, for example, using virtual reality, right? Um, things like that are really super cool. And it goes down all the way up to education. Um, we're starting to see it with what we call the school of the future, Again, where we could put the people into virtual experiences that are invented, um, but at the same time, it brings so many benefits for the end user, you know, learning retention and such is just through the roof using uh, technologies like virtual reality. Um, I've seen some experiences to promote products. So you have this beer company that uh, wants to get you into an experience. Well, you put on the goggles. We introduce the country to you in a minute. We bring you into the little pub and we take a drink. And I believe you saw that experience a while back. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so, again, that was just to promote a new upcoming product, showing some. So using it in a marketing context where um, we're going to stand out from the crowd. We're going to have an experience that nobody actually thought about or even like saw or had experience. And again, that the, the retention of that info is so high and so engaging, like the experiences are super engaging. So it makes for really, really good applications of that nature. Um, and this, the sky's the limit really uh, in the sense that anything that we want to replicate from the real world, that's actually dangerous to some degree uh, you know, you, you want to test crash dummies. I mean, sky's the limit. You know, you want to learn how to be a fire pilot, you know, fire jet type pilot. Well, they already do simulators, you know, to some degree, that's virtual reality just in big screens. But now, you know, we're going to see them more and more having like the physical goggles and getting them into the experience and interacting with all the objects. And because you could actually end up by replicating the real life objects that are dangerous to interact with. And if you do a mistake and you reduce cost a lot, you know, for things like that. Um, And the retention is like crazy. I think Mm -hmm. it's like 10 times more than in any other media. So, which is really good. So that's that? a good example of VR, AR. No, VR. Yeah. yeah. How about AR? Uh, AR? 
AR, it's a little bit different, um, but at the same time, we're starting to see a lot of the similarities and that's where uh, mixed reality comes in play. Uh, we're starting to see a lot of augmented reality goggles, um, again, for field technicians, training, education is where there's a lot of that marketing material. Um, that's where we, we spend a lot of time and where we believe there's like the most benefits. Um, but again, you know, some experiences that, that we've seen in the past is like activating, uh, making bottles of wine come to life. Uh, marketing campaign, again, promote new product, getting the end user to interact with your product, the retention is through the roof, that experience, those uh, interactions are memorable. Um, again, uh, we see them a lot in physical training, but a little bit more on the same, a little bit of the same thing as v VR, but less dangerous, more day-to-day -day stuff, right? Like field technicians. Okay. I could put on my goggles. Now I have the whole specs of your dishwasher. Cool. I need info on this. Boom. It appears in my goggles. Um, but all that uses augmented reality because it's really, you're going to see your physical object and you're gonna have, you know, superimposed uh, 3D elements on top of it. And then you could interact with those. Um, so a slightly different use case, but at the same time, it's kind of like the same thing where it's, you know, material to get the job done faster, more efficiently, uh, mostly for field technicians and such. Um, and the form factor being smaller. Uh, so for car mechanics or truck mechanics and such, uh, BMW is one that uses quite a bit, you know, you put on their goggles, you open the hood and whatever piece you have to change, it'll tell you which boat to remove, uh, which wrench you're going to need and all the that type of info. Um, you want to know more details on the car with the VIN, da, 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 it scans all that in real time, gives you more info. Um, so those are kind of like the typical, uh, use cases around AR. But at the same time, it's like sky's the limit. You know, you have an idea. Let's talk about it and uh, we'll figure something out. Yeah, we'll make it happen. <laughs> you've like you've been at this for, a, you know, some time right right now. Yeah. And, and you're certainly the person who I think of when I think of AR and VR. When you brought this technology to your clients who you built this, the mobile app, for. Mm -hmm. Did they see the potential right away or is that, no. did you have to convince them? <laughs> yes. Um, hours, countless hours, just trying to convince people. This is the next big thing. For some reason, uh, people, people don't like change, right? So they got something that works. They don't want to change. Although they, 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 they could see it. Um, at first it was really kind of like hard to some degree because we had to develop demos to even show them. It's like, this is possible. Look, this is what I was talking to you about. Right. Oh, really? Yeah. We've been talking about it for three months. What do you think we go forward? <laughs> so a lot of convincing. Um, and I'd say even today, mm. um, well, today, maybe not 2021. Okay. 2020 has shifted this whole thing. Um, but even during 2020, it's been challenging and still convincing. Um, but now it's getting a, a lot more accepted. And a lot of them are starting to see the potential on their own. They're calling you up and say, hey, I was thinking about this. Could we do this? 
uh, yeah, we could do this. Yeah, we could go even there. Oh, okay, let's start talking a little bit, right? Um, but they're still not moving as fast as I think they should, okay? Um, I think that over time, what causes that is that over time, technology has changed so fast that people can't keep up. So they want to change, but they're kind of not ready yet because they're, they're not sure. It's like, oh, will that goggle be there in three months? Well, come on, it's Facebook. They've been there for 15 years. They're not going anywhere. You know, they're planning 20 years ahead. Oh, really? Okay. What about this guy? Well, you know, this guy's been around for a year, but he's trying really hard to stay in business. You know, so we have all of that that comes in play where people are a little bit hesitant uh, to make massive spending. Okay. So I say 2020 has unlocked that little piece a little bit where, okay, let's create an MVP. We have this idea. Let's try it out. We're not going to invest big bucks. Although some of them are starting to really invest big money, uh, pharmaceuticals and such uh, really made that shift. Um, but again, it's so still a lot of convincing for the smaller players, I'd say. Yeah. I would imagine that with COVID, I know a lot of people are struggling to uh, like, especially event companies or anything yes. interactive, right? Uh -huh. You know, it's, it's hard to have that same experience on like just a computer screen, right? So I imagine that uh, COVID has actually accelerated the technology. Is that the case? Yes, absolutely. A hundred miles an hour, to be honest. Uh, we've seen a lot of, because we've been able to do online concerts and VR and such since a long time. Uh, but last year has brought that acceleration where all the tools come together, right? Zoom is now integrated in VR. You got this, you, I could bring my desktop in VR. So th there's been a lot of change in the last year that kind of helped make that switch a little bit faster. Um, and there's now we could say, you know, from the last three to five years, there's been some really, really big success as far as apps and such that, you know, made that switch in 2020 a lot faster. Um, and there, there's some people that were a little bit like us, ready to just turn on the switches. We're ready, man. This is what you need. Cool. Here it is. And kind of waiting for that moment because until 2019, we were still struggling trying to convince people. Some people, you know, like Nike and those big guys understand it and they, they're into it, right? Um, but getting it to that second level of buyers, if you will, uh, was still really, really painful. And now I think that due to COVID and uh, the acceleration of, okay, let's get our MVPs out. Let's see. And there's, you know, been in the last two or three years, some side projects that appeared that made those applications available to the general public without being in the big stores, if you will, app stores type stuff which allowed people that were enthusiastic about the technology to kind of go learn from it, allowing people like us to say, hey, you know what? You want some ideas? Okay, download this and this and this. Here's a pair of goggles. Let's talk in a week. Cool. Now you're trying seven different things. Now you have an idea what's possible. Um, but yeah, 2020 is like, ooh, quite a roller coaster. <laughs> Where do you want to take Digit in the next couple of years? 
Oh, that's a good question. Um, I, I think I'm, I'm going all full blown and again in VR, AR um, and uh, just pushing that as much as we can and integrating that into our current customer base as much as possible. And of course, always open to new projects, but um, continuing that momentum with our clients where it's like, okay, we've we taken you there, we've got you there, we've got you there, and now we're moving forward with that. Um, bringing a lot of the social media world into these technologies um, as much as possible, you know, from interactions with your web page, your Facebook page or whatnot. Um, and uh, yeah, just continue, you know, trying to, to keep that pedal to the metal in that area um, I, I think we're just getting started i think we still have for at least if i look at the web the mobile i mean we're still in this for another 10 15 years and at that point i think things will have evolved to um you know deeper ai machine learning and all that good technology um, and the blockchain and all that. So I think a lot of those technology will come in a few years and kind of feed um, what we we're going to need uh, to produce super awesome experiences, in-depth experiences, and, you know, having no lag, no latency and all that. Um, so, yeah, I think that's, that's where it's headed. Yeah, I definitely think I'm hoping for. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think VR is going to be is in its infancy, and there's so much more potential. Um, yeah, and I think it's kind of funny because I see like this merger of AR VR coming together, which I, I really don't understand. At the end of the day, it's going to be a, a mixed reality device. I mm -hmm. think that's that's what's going to win at the end of the day because we're seeing now augmented reality goggles augmented reality glasses augmented reality you know hey that's vr not too long ago right um facebook is moving slowly from a vr to ar to mixed reality nobody's actually or some people are seeing it but you know i'd say general public are like not seeing that transition but that's exactly what's happening so i'm looking forward to that conversion of both how's what's going to be the end thing and i think it's going to be all around like i said uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning and all those technology coming to like its full potential being mm -hmm. able to voice you know integration of voice into all of this yeah um, that, that's going to be really cool not only you're going to be able to physically touch stuff but also dictate what you want and move stuff around i mean yeah that's going to be a some fun times ahead. <laughs> I know you touched on it, uh, but why should a company consider using uh, AR or VR for a marketing campaign? And how do you think about those campaigns? Well, why should a company use that? Um, to be honest, it, it's the retention. To me, it's the retention Um and the, the physical act of interacting with your brand, I mean, there's no media in the world that like at that level, right? It's like if somebody takes an AR experience and interacts with your objects, to me, the, the, there, there's no media in the world that could satisfy the inner human that we are um, to, to actually like be tempted to suddenly buy about that, learn about it more, you know, it's like, 
Um, you could teach stuff in a very, very particular way that's memorable to, I mean, you try VR for the first time, you'll remember your experience for the rest of your life. And that being a negative experience or a positive experience, that's very uh, confusing for us. We have to make sure that, you know, everybody has a positive experience. Um, but that is the truth that I've been seeing since day one that I looked into VR. And we go way, way, way back. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that, that's something retention, the use, the interaction of your, with your brand, um, the time that people are willing to interact with your brand. I mean, sometimes we say it's timeless. If you have the good experience, people will play 10, 15, 20 minutes, an hour with your experience. If it's good, you know, um, newspaper, I don't know. You switch pages. There's just too much traffic. There's, you know, again, very static. Uh, computer is the same thing uh, to me, right? And mobile device until the arrival of augmented reality was giving me the same impression, right? Where it's like you have that limitation. Suddenly you got your phone. Oh, you get notification. Don't, 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 don't. Suddenly you pass on to something else. But there's, it's only like so small interaction that although it did go massive super super quick and got you know adopted worldwide like super rapidly because it's a very useful tool um so yeah i think that's that would be like the major reasons why any company would want to use that uh for their marketing campaigns um yeah totally and so this technology i i can see it in an event setting uh mm -hmm. is it possible or i mean it may even be um something that happens right now but uh with ar vr can you use the technology for marketing uh like in your website or on your phone or how, how does that look like okay when it comes down to market your app um of course there if, if your application is like big enough and it's public it could be released in all the stores you know same thing as the app store or the google play store um other than that um all the big socials from youtube to facebook everybody in between they all offer some type of 360 video for example if you go on YouTube, if the video is done in 360, you could see it in virtual reality, right? Um, so as long as your experience is built in 360, there's plenty of tools, including your website. There's plugins that you could use to actually have a 360 image on your website, for example. Um, allow people to see this content on, in, on their computer in 2D. Hey, click here if you're on your goggles. Cool. You put your goggles on, you click there, and now suddenly you have that 360. As long as the experience is done in 360 and it's deployed right um, with the right tools, then you should have no problem to market your tool, your experience the same way any tool. For example, you could send an email with a link. Click here. You go on this page. Oh, you come from a computer. I show you this. I give you a little link below. If you have your goggles, cool, you could click on it because you could still view in 360 virtual reality 2d web content for example hmm. they all have web browsers and all that i could even go on facebook you know without like i could visit yahoo.com whatever url you would like uh straight from the 360 experience 
Um, and then if your experience is available in 360, then the system will allow you to switch and pivot and you could pivot in between. You mentioned um, retention, which is basically what social media is all about. It's all about yes. trying to get <laughs> more, you know, more likes, more retention. So how, my question is, how is social media going to change and use this technology more? Well, the biggest way it has changed it, um, and uh, I got to be honest, I'm not sure I've seen that one. I mean, I started using it right away. So yes, I've seen it, but I didn't see it coming uh, in the sense that social media has unlocked the usability and bringing this to the mass. Facebook is the greatest example. You could do uh, filters since almost two or three years. Snapchat is one of them as well, where they purely built their experience into AR. Snapchat is the biggest one that clearly that's what makes Snapchat popular even to this day uh, is augmented reality, is putting that experience in the people's hands. So social media has played a huge role in bringing augmented reality to the mass. Like there, there's nobody out there that like was positioned that well to make it happen. And it did happen and people still don't know. Because a lot of people will use filter, but they still don't know you're, they're using augmented reality. You know, that little funny that you're using, that's <laughs> augmented reality, you know. Um, but again, the younger generations know and understand that's what's happening. Uh, the older generation are like, oh, well, no, I don't want to use a filter. Well, oh, that's augmented reality. Oh, okay, now I get it. <laughs> well, yeah, you've been using it for two years now. So that, that's something that social media has helped the whole industry. Um, and of course, you know, some of the, those big giants, Facebook, Snapchat, and TikTok, and all those guys. So yeah, thanks to those guys. Yeah, it reminds me of the, the lawyer with the cat filter. Huh? That was pretty funny, yeah. <laughs> well, that's the whole thing, right? So that was like the first interactions with augmented reality for the masses. And uh, people were still trying to figure out, well, what's going to be the next big app for AR or in VR? I was like, it's right there, my friend. You know, Facebook was one of the first ones to introduce 360 degree videos. It was <laughs> so advanced for the people that they scaled down to 180, which is like absurd to me, but <laughs> because now you can, you know, do a through a virtual reality experience with just a 180 uh, type view or 360 degree view type thing. So, but again, that was, you know, Facebook, YouTube, Vimeo, all those big giants that kind of introduced that. And uh, of course, having that little option where you could just click from there if you're from a goggle and switch um, allowed like the enthusiasts to get in and continue consuming content. And uh, yeah, so that's how I see that. With this mixed reality, where do you think that it will that social media will use more of that technology to kind of I guess retain their their customers or their users? I don't know about mixed reality because mixed reality is like this. Uh, I include other uh, all other media's in my mixed reality, mm -hmm. um, but. Uh, I don't know if I'm the only one, but mixed reality 
was originally thought as Microsoft's platform to augmented reality, mm. um, which uses holograms instead of 3D objects. Okay. So slightly different uh, in the presentation, if you will. Um, so I don't know. It's hard to say how could they, how could um, social media actually benefit from that other than like, creating specific experiences for the people that uses those devices, but it doesn't seem to be like they're going to be doing such a thing in the sense that they made their tools available through the web browser, you know? So you, like I said, you, you could have integrated Facebook, but you could also go on the web and visit facebook.com the same way you would. And you see it in 2d with that little screen. And um, so, and mixed reality is kind of like a little bit the same thing, but it uses holographics, um, so yeah, I'd be curious to see, uh, <laughs> but right now I don't see how they could actually, um, use it. Well, there's, there's going to be something coming out web, um, desktop AR that we're starting to see, which I think could be used by, uh, social media, uh, where suddenly we use your current browser, um, and, uh, we make the objects come in front the same way as augmented reality, but from the desktop. Um, but that's still in the beginning of, so I'm very excited to see where it's going to go. Um, but that might be something that would allow them to use a little bit of mixed reality concept, pushing some holographic stuff on your, your, your keyboard or such um, from your desktop. That, that might be possible uh, because it's a different type of lens than VR and uh, augmented reality while it uses your lens that you're using and then adds elements to your real world. Um, the other one, mixed reality, will use a real world and put all the graphics more on objects. You could also have 2D and 3D objects, but it's mostly holographic type stuff, field of view. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that's going to be like unmixed up. With um, the, I mean, I think with um, this technology, there used to be a lot of limitations in terms of internet speed, cost used to be a um, prohibitor, but I don't see any of those um, stopping people from using this technology. Is there anything that you see that would uh, prohibit um, companies from uh, embracing VR and, and AR uh, more than in the past? No, I, I don't think so. Um, of course, there's going to be, you know, technology issues and integration issues. And those are going to be there. There's going to be some real problems with some of those security uh, speed with 5G. That's going to solve a lot of our problems for many, many, many years to come. A lot of the networks are ready to, to push it out or rolling it out. Um, so those are going to help a lot. And it does. It already did help a lot. Um other than that, no, I, I think that we did solve a lot. And of course, there, there's going to be other issues. Of, you know, once you have 500 people training in VR, we're going, mm -hmm. we're going to run into some issues. Um, but the last three to five years, we've done so, so much work to fix all those problems um, from getting sick to uh, lagging and everything in between. Um, I'd say... Most of those things have been corrected today. Um, 
but things like motion sickness and things like that um, will still be a showstopper for certain people. Um, so that's why it's like at the end of the day, you know, you, you have to plan your presentation. You have to plan your, your demos and making sure that everybody has a good experience. Um, because again, that negative versus positive, we, we still see it sometimes. Uh, a lot less, you know, like motion sickness is one problem that uh, most of the companies, most of the apps out there have corrected, but there's still a handful of people that still have, you know, motion sickness or, or not open to making that switch. So they think it's a showstopper. Um, a lot of people, you know, being scared of the technology, the invasiveness. Um, one of the showstopper for VR has been that, big goggle and big remotes and such to play with. Uh, now it's been pivoting where, Hey, I could use my hands physically. I could see my fingers. I could touch stuff. I could feel stuff. Now we have backpacks, you know, I, I think uh, one of the big challenge will be again, integrating all the new technology that we've been creating in the last three to five years, integrating that into the business and making that shift that, okay, now you don't have to do this. We could do it like this. And now you could just do this and move stuff around. That's going to be more challenging for the people to accept, I think. Um, so that's, that's something. Again, we're depending on a lot of the big companies, the social media to put those things in the hands of people, starting with filters, making them laugh, make them laugh for a year, introduce something new. Now you got games going on in, in those platforms and so on and so forth. Um, so yeah, that's uh, still a long way to go, but uh, I think they, they, there's a big chunk that's been stopping a lot of people that uh, we don't have to worry about anymore and won't have to worry about as much. Daniel, I'm going to cap it off with one last question. And this Absolutely. may seem out of the blue, but this is a question I ask all my guests. And that is, do you have a favorite book? If I have a favorite book, I do have a couple. Um, but the one that... I, I, I like particularly is Crush It from Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, I think that's a, like, yeah, that, that's one of my favorite books. If I could read it, I, I think there, uh, there's three different um, volumes or books of that, of, of that uh, series. And I got them all and I think I would read them over and over. Um, the other one that that's kind of like on top of my list. And there's another one called a top of mind um, that I just absolutely love and try to apply that like day in, day out. Um, and it's all about getting on top of people's mind all the time, keeping up messaging, text, Facebook, yeah, you know, social. And um, so, yeah, th th those would be like my two favorite books for sure. Hmm. they're always right there and I have to hold out myself to not just not read it again. You know, it's like, are you a big Gary V fan? Very, very big. Uh, well, okay. Very big fan. I know the guy since a long time. Uh, I'm, I come from a Twitter world as well. Um, so I've been following him for many, many years. I come from the wine industry and, you know, did a lot of stuff around that over the years. So I've been following the guy forever um, and has always been um, somebody I look up to, you know, it's like, uh, I, 
don't know if, yeah, I could call that a fan. Uh, at this point, I feel like it's my cousin, my brother, whatever, you know, I feel very comfortable interacting with the guy anytime. And it's like, you know, could share a ton of stuff um, and have a lot of admiration for the guy. And uh, like I said, since his beginning, uh, I remember all the way back into Twitter and wine text and all that stuff coming to, together. And um, So yeah, big fan. Awesome. Daniel, for people who want to reach out to you, where can they find you? There's two places. Um, first, on our website on www.digit.com. Um, and uh, if not there, well, you could just type in digit anywhere on any search engine and you'll follow us somewhere on social. And if you don't, you'll find us for sure. So just typing digit on any uh, search engine and you should find pretty much all our social stuff. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, for sharing your expertise. Uh, I think, yeah, this technology is super exciting. And as I said, it's, I really think it's in its infancy. So um, I think it's really good to share with my listeners. So thank you very much. Awesome. My pleasure. Anytime, my friend. Thank you for listening to Publishing for Profit. Please like and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.